Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. And today I'm sitting down across the city, really, with Opal's co-founders, Julie Church, Lexi Giblin, and Kara Bozzi. And we are going to be talking about delight. Hi. Hi. Hello. So a f- Probably like a couple months ago, before I was in quarantine, I was listening to This American Life, and they had an episode called The Show of Delights. And they were saying like, oh my goodness, 2020, what a horrible year already. Little did we know. And (laughs) um, they were talking about how despite all of the horrors in the news with the wildfires in Australia and impeachment and this, you know, small pocket of virus elsewhere in the world, we would be really blessed by the idea of focusing on delight as a concept and as a practice, actually. We did another episode recently with Lexi, where she walked us through a loving kindness meditation. And meditation in general can be a place where we we focus and center in on um, a place of calm and peace. I like to think of delight as getting to kind of actually focus on the external to bring us back to a center and also a re-participation with the world. And delight can take a lot of different forms. And we all have listened to this American Life episode now. um, And we really urge you to do the same because it in and of itself is a delight. And the show is celebrating and bringing to life all of these small places of delight. And we're going to be talking about what we delight in and what it is and why it matters right now. I want to start and ask you guys first, because I haven't heard from you guys yet, what you guys think delight is and what you thought of the episode. I really delighted in the episode and I delighted in the episode with my daughter who delighted in the episode. And I just noticed that I experienced delight through others' delight and through my daughter's delight, that that brought me delight. So it was, it was just, and it's something that I've noticed since I, since I started tuning in to delight, I noticed that I'm finding more of it and I'm appreciating experiences of delight more often, I would say. And to me, they're just like, a del- delight is like a moment where you revel in beauty or appreciation or laughter. Kara came on today on the screen, and her screen name was Reliable Resonator. Oh, no, no, why? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm finding a lot of delight in that uh, today. I can't get it out of my mind, and I keep going back and just delighting in the reliable resonator. (laughs) That's an example of delight. And I feel like I'm finding him more. Of course, hanging out, you know, with you guys, I'm more likely to see him. I know it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, on the, this American life episode, it started off with a woman that was sharing about how in England, where she grew up, she found immense delight in American pop culture, just sort of immeasurable amounts of delight in all the small details and the cliches of American high school. And she found herself 
pursuing a life eventually here in America and then just found herself constantly delighted by these things that she had always loved. And she had sort of collected them around herself in her life to have constant delight. And she she said something about how she decided to start kind of organizing her life through the principle of delight. And that was something that really, really, really resonated with me. And Lexi, you just spoke to this idea of seeing more and more delights. And once you start focusing in on the things that kind of like bring that feeling up into your body, it's it's really lovely. It's really fun. It's really, I think, meaningful and grounding to notice what brings you the experience of delight and to pursue it. And I think that that gets us to a place of sort of understanding what exactly it is, because it's it's not just joy. I think joy is more of a, like a long format emotion or feeling or experience. And delight feels like it's something that's a lot more particular. It could be like a moment, a feeling that's like embodied in a thing. And it's it's hard to explain. It is. I was thinking like the quickness of it and how... Um, like even when <laughs> Lexi was finding my name funny, my screen name funny, and then I'm watching Julie's face and I was like, oh gosh, when Julie laughs and her whole face crinkles up in her laughter, it gives me lots of delight. <laughs> and it's, you know, she, whenever, when she gets really laughing about something, I love watching Julie's face. But then, you know, then we're moving on and we're going to the next thing. So it's, it's a, you know, I think of maybe delight. Like it's a, it's a state that can maybe happen quickly, but it's really, but it, it brings you into the moment and you're getting pleasure from it in the moment. Absolutely. Julie, would you add anything to sort of like what you think delight is? Yeah. The word that always comes to my mind with it, as I've been pondering it this week is just simplicity. So usually to me is like something simple that then brings this sense of delight. And I think, yes, like a, so, you know, I would say it often will bring a smile to my face or it would like bring a little bubble of laughter. And I find myself connecting with the part of the episode when they talk about the fact that so much of the acknowledgement of delight happens more clearly in the context of pain and suffering. So when one is having that contrast, and I really identify with that. I think that the isolated images of delight, or maybe you're supposed to induce delight in me when I look at social media or something like that, they don't bring me delight because I value authenticity so much. And I'm like, okay, I need the full picture here. If I see these people doing this one thing, it doesn't give me a hit of delight as much as if I knew their life and like what was going on in the midst of that and why for them that moment brought them delight. <laughs> it's way easier for me because likely that brought them some sort of joy or some sort of um, lifting in the midst of probably a difficult day. And that's why they posted that image, <laughs> right? So if I know that, I can so much better have some sort of hit of delight by looking at some of the things that are on social media or posting in that way. Yeah. Instagram is an interesting thing because I remember the first time I heard about Instagram and like what it was. And I have a, my friend Isabel was describing it to me in like 2000 and 
nine probably and saying like, hey, you know, it's the same where you take a bunch of photos and then it's just photos and it's like people just doing things kind of spontaneously and posting them. And I thought, well, that was interesting. And I don't know if it's that exactly anymore. I also don't know if we take photos of what we delight in and then post them and can actually transfer delight via <laughs> Instagram to other people. I think that we can try and sometimes that works. I know that there are artists that I follow on Instagram and when I just see the colors of one of their paintings on my screen, I am delighted sometimes depending on my mood. But I think that delight requires connection. I, connection to the person in front of you, like Kara, you were saying, watching Julie's face light up and laugh or connection to yourself in a moment, connection to the leaves outside mm -hmm. and letting yourself be present enough to take in these particularities and find some kind of resonance with them. Mm -hmm. And being on Instagram is inherently dissociative in most, in most ways. It's interesting because I think of when I decide to post a picture on Instagram, I am kind of doing it for myself because I have those, those albums I generate, the chat books. What chat books? Oh, the chat books oh. are, you, they're amazing because I'm not going to spend the time to make photo albums. And so with chat books, you, they, they just generate photo albums from you off your Instagram feed. And so I know that whatever picture I post is going to go into this album that I have to put no effort in to get it created. And my like, especially my youngest daughter will literally sit in my bedroom and look at chat books for hours and just like, I mean, hours is an exaggeration, but it's like one of her things that brings her joy and that will remember those memories. Like, so I'm thinking of like, what do I want remembered memory wise? And that's what I post. Mm -hmm. That is so funny. It's you could look on my calendar today, but this afternoon I have one of my things is I have a 20% off coupon that expires tonight for chat books and I need to finish my book. I got to do that. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> I, I hear you, Kara. I hear you. Yeah. That's, that is true. That is for me too. <laughs> sure. Delight of getting oh. a chat book. Yeah. I want to go back to what you were saying though, Julie, about this idea of having context around these things. Like, because even Kara, what you're talking about of having this chat book, which I'm still trying to figure out what that is, but having it and, and knowing that it's a collection of these moments in your life, there's context that you can hold and that probably your daughter can hold while she's looking at all these photos where there's a story attached or a time attached, or at least she has the awareness that her mother saw these things. And that is the context in and of itself. I do wonder about the role of delight in particular during this time, during a pandemic, when we don't have too many things we can feel like genuinely hopeful about. I don't know if that's just me, but mm -hmm. that's how I'm feeling <laughs> these days. My sense of like future oriented excitement is kind of gone. And the experience of being in the moment and really trying to practice the pursuit of delight feels like paramount right now to me, um, more than it does in a time where like everything externally is going pretty great. Yeah, like even to go back to a picture thing this weekend, I had like a really rough morning on Sunday and was just feeling pretty horrible. And 
you know, just, I guess this idea, can we um, change our state by approaching delight? Um, and it, this just kind of happened, but my mom came over to our deck outside and I was kind of feeling like, I don't even feel like showing up for her. I'm not, I, I'm so tired and exhausted and I don't have nothing left in my tank. And then Hannah comes outside with a stack of photo albums and she became our teacher and showed us, did show and tell of like five photo albums. And this, my physiology completely changed as she was showing all these photos and I was getting back into these moments of delight from the pictures and then even delighting and connecting with my mom because she was in a lot of the pictures and the delight in connecting to Hannah as she was like giving us this cute show and tell teacher moment and just kind of catching that state being shifted within me of going from like kind of this dark, depressed, feeling like not motivated for anything to then delight coming up in this experience of looking at pictures together. I wonder what is happening physiologically in those moments. Cause it's, I, I feel that way too. In the same way that you can like feel the corners of your mouth smiling and that like literally changing the way that your, your body is feeling that happens with delights as well. Yeah. I can feel it in my chest and like in my heart, like there's something that um, shifts in my, like, it feels like in my heart center. I get like a little, uh, it's not almost adrenaline, but there's something fluttering. Yes. Fluttering. That is the word that I've been thinking of too. And in the, this American life episode, they were talking about this English professor at Indiana university who studies delight and has a poetry book of delights. His name is Ross Gay. And he said, delight is like the butterflies flying around and landing on the thing that is joy. Which I just is so interesting, like this dynamic of like the fluttering itself being the delight. It doesn't need to be the like long lasting, deep, everything is right and perfect in the world. But it kind of makes everything right and lovely in the world at the same time. Not perfect, Mm -hmm. but lovely. In that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the imagery of nature being brought in there because that's a place where I can connect to the light so easily. Okay, my neighbor's lilac bush this weekend is just blooming so beautifully. And so I cut some of that and put it in our kitchen and took it to work and like had so much delight in smelling it and having other people smell it and <laughs> enjoy the smell and the look of it. And then I also have a sand dollar here. You can see it, but I know on the podcast, you can't see it. I have this placed in my office to remind me of delight. And I wouldn't have used that word before this last week, but I would say that is, it's trying, it's a reminder to help me pull myself back to a moment where I, I cannot describe the like over, and that's the fluttering overwhelm, like amazingness of the treasure hunt that it is on this one particular beach in Whidbey Island that has thousands and I'm not exaggerating thousands of sand dollars and you just get to this one point and you see one little edge and you start to to oh there it is there it is there it is and then you go a little bit and there's more and more and more and more anyways it is like it just takes me somewhere otherworldly wow. <laughs> and I've had that happen twice this year that I've been able to go to this beach and experience that and it the thing that also is funny to me is that there were this was during the pandemic and so of course social distancing was very important 
but there were strangers like kind of farther away on the beach. And I was like, I, I have to tell them, I have to tell them that there are these sand dollars over here because you can't see them and you're not going to know. And so I like casually found my way over there and I was like, do you know about the sand dollars? <laughs> Anyways, um, so I know that I, I like to share delight too, but I would say that the sand dollar is trying to pull me in my office environment, like at work, trying to remind me of delight and it works. Like I just had some hits of that as I tell that story. Ooh. We can see it too on our video. I know all four of us on this on this screen that we're looking at. <laughs> we're all smiling so much. That's your oh. story. Lexi, I want to hear a little bit more about you were talking about listening to the episode and how much it brought you delight, but do you have any other things that come to mind that maybe would be your little show and tell of delight right now? <laughs> Why, yes. Um, I noticed that I have, I, I tend to experience delight when unusual, spontaneous events happen that are odd or just out of unexpected, like the reliable resonator of, of earlier. That is going to, I'm going to play that one for a while. The other one that I sat down at this desk um, to record today and looked to my left and saw this note that I had written one of um, our employees, Gigi, probably a couple years ago. And I'm noticing, like, even though I gave I gave it to her a couple years ago, but then it's it seems to bring back the original delight that I felt. So it seems like it once you feel delight related to something, it's easier to connect with it again. Yes. So I'm noticing that in myself and I'm remembering the context and the con the delight that I'm experiencing is is taking me back to this this moment in consult, um, staff consult in a meeting. And I look down at my shoe and there's a sticker on my shoe. And I pulled the sticker off my shoe to, you know, what is this? This is bizarre that there's a sticker on my shoe. And it was a semi truck. And so I stuck it on my paper and gave the paper to, to Gigi and wrote, wrote to her that I found this on my shoe. <laughs> she should keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I feel like I'm, I'm more apt to feel delight related to sort of unusual experiences versus like experiences of nature, I would say. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just get all, I, I love it when something comes together and then my mind can put something together that I find really connective or meaningful in some way. Mm. Mm. I love that. I, I think I am someone that has been collecting delights for a long time and it's, it's interesting to think about that. And I'm just, you know, even talking and being in my own home right now, as we're doing this podcast, I'm just sort of looking around at my belongings and there are so many things that I intentionally put in my space that are meant to conjure that memory of delight and bring it back again. Like, I, I think I'm constantly after that. It feels very meditative to me. It feels very prayerful to me. It feels like it's such a grounding force in my life. And if I knew anything more about astrology, I'm sure that I would say that that's, I'm a Taurus and that's what, I don't know, that's what people tell me. But 
Um, (laughs) It's so, it's so big to me. Like I've got this tray over here next to my mic that is always here on my bedside table that has like (laughs) some really random stuff on it. Um, It has this... (laughs) Gosh, there's so many random things on here. I'm looking at it, but um, it has a bottle opener that I think is really beautiful. It's this gold hand that I love. I collect hands, like sculptural hands for some reason. I've got a little bit of frankincense. I've got this like thing of natural deodorant that is like the most horrible thing to actually put in my armpits, but the packaging makes me so happy that I just leave it there. I have like, I've got, I've got so many little things. I have this card next to me too, that one of my close childhood friends died this year and his mom wrote me a letter and I've got the the card next to me. And this is like one of those things that, that brings me delight, but not in, not in the way that I'm talking about with the, the frankincense or the, the natural deodorant packaging, of course. This is like so much deeper, obviously, but it also brings me like a place of resonance and delight. And I've got this <laughs> this bottle of of shower gel that I've had for probably six years, maybe more, that I started using when I was nineteen. I'm I'm not. I wasn't. 19, six years ago, but I've had many bottles of this and it brings me back to the feeling of being 19 years old and living in Greece and taking a shower in this bathroom that I had when I was living alone right outside of the bathroom window was an orange tree and the orange, the scent of the orange blossoms would come in the window and I would be using this fig shower gel Oh, I'm smelling it right now. And it's just like, it, it just brings me every single physical memory of that time back into my body. And not all of it was beautiful. I mean, a lot of it was painful and a lot of it was full of a lot of grief. And yet there were so many like sensorial experiences that I had that made it such that I was just really connected to beauty even so. I, I'm talking a lot because I'm really, I'm really passionate when I start thinking about all these things. I'm going to keep going, but I'm not going to. Well, as you were sharing, I was realizing that I, you know my house is full of little items that I just delight in. And I, I think a lot of like, interior design, interior decoration is around collect, collecting delights and placing them in your home. Yeah. When I was first thinking about all the things that bring me delight, I, I, w- I was just thinking of birthdays. If somebody gets what they want, if you hit the nail on the head and they, you're offering them something that really brings them joy, I like that is so del- that moment feels really delightful. I kind of related. I have a recording of my kids and the neighbor kids jumping on the trampoline. Some of the kids that we've been quarantining with. (laughs) It was something that I was trying this weekend in my difficult weekend, trying to pull 
some delight from. And I was like, wow, they are definitely experiencing delight. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on, but that like deep, that's Colin. That's like, <laughs> Your son. totally Colin into life because he's getting, he's in the middle of the trampoline and all the kids are bouncing. And so then it's like, whoever's in the middle gets all the delight. And I could tell who's in the middle by their squealing, you know? Mm. It made me think of the, the American Life episode with the little boy taking the school bus Throughout the episode, they were talking about different stories. And one of the stories was about this seven-year-old boy who was going to be taking a school bus for the first time. And they brought the recording of how he was anticipating the school bus coming and the questions he was asking his mom and sort of his like impatience with the school bus coming and some of the maybe concerns he had. And then it, it brought in when the school bus actually came and him just like, it's here, it's here. <laughs> and how excited he was and just listening to his voice I mean here me and Hannah are looking at each other my daughter when we're listening to this and our faces we're just like laughing and it's so cute it's the the sound of hearing this little kid's voice on this recording just be so excited about the bus it makes me think of hearing your you know your boys and and the and the neighbors jumping and that the sound of these little kids being so excited and their cute little voices and their expressions um, that that is an easy access I think for feeling something different and, and shifting out of whatever state you know I might be in what you just said Kara feels so important because the the point of noticing delight I think is to to give I mean one of the points of noticing delight is to give ourselves an opportunity to feel something new and it really does shift physiologically what we're experiencing. And it also just allows us to go out of our, our own bodies for a moment and go, Oh, wow. Wow. Something else is happening. Whether it's like the, the kids on the trampoline or the bus driving by or the leaves coming out and like bursting out of the trees right now here in Seattle, like things are happening that are lovely and not in our own tiny little narrow selves sometimes. I think that that's something that I need right now when I'm feeling depressed or hopeless or overwhelmed to just go, okay, there's more out there. And it's really lovely, even though it might not be the thing that like changes my whole day or my whole mindset around other things that feel painful. It can be that little reminder of some sort of hope or, or loveliness out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's really something that is happening during this time is that because we can't future plan, I do believe that we are, that our sort of timeline of life feels more limited. And so the present, I'm being drawn more into the present for sure. Yeah. I also want to talk about the eating disorder side of it because I was thinking about kind of in my experience with having an eating disorder, and I feel curious about this for the listeners, I know for me, I would over-identify with feelings and kind of get myself stuck in negative mood states and had a really difficult time pivoting and experiencing the moment <laughs> and being able to shift. 
And I actually remember feeling like if I did that, it was somehow betraying my negative emotion that I wasn't being authentic if I could kind of come into a, a new mood state because I don't think I understood how emotions worked. That just feels like something I, I wonder if any listeners have that experience. I remember like a poignant experience when I was um, in my 20s of holding like I I had a really big story of grief and a really big story of delight at the same time of one of my childhood friends had gotten a car accident and died and I had just gotten engaged and I didn't know what dialectics were back then. <laughs> um, but it was like, wait a minute, both of these are important. And I have very different feeling states with both of these. It was sort of wrestling with, um, it would like at that, I, I felt like it would be really actually betraying both of those mood states if I got locked into one of them. So anyways, I just was, I, I, I wonder about that piece of the practice of being able to allow yourself to feel delight um, if, if some of the work is in um, letting go of attaching yourself too strongly to certain emotion. Because that was, that was my experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, also, I also think that, like, um, that especially maybe during this time of pandemic, it, you might feel um, like you don't deserve to feel delight and even beyond the pandemic feeling like you don't because uh, you yeah only certain people deserve delight on and or maybe you only deserve delight if you do certain things to um, you've accomplished certain things or have done certain acts in order to feel that reward like you have to earn it earn it yeah that makes me curious because it, it does speak a little bit to what, what Kara just said about like not knowing exactly how emotions worked and that you could kind of only have one at a time. The thing that you're saying too, Lexi, is is this black and white way of thinking of like, I either get to have this or I don't. I'm maybe bad and undeserving or I'm, I'm good and deserving or things feel horrible and therefore there's no pleasure. Like this really strong... I don't know the right word to put it, but this, this huge like blockade between two worlds of experience and emotion, this idea of practicing and pursuing delight seems to be a portal into that sort of in-between, that both and, that dialectic of, yes, knowing that someone has died and also being able to celebrate something really beautiful that's happened and, and that both have to exist at the same time. And if there's a barrier in experiencing delight, then that might be a good invitation to call into what your beliefs are about emotions, right? Or what are the what are the maybe rules even that you hold? I think for somebody who's over controlled, you know, delight could feel too indulgent, or it's not productive, or it's kind of comes, you know, all these things I've experienced in my life too. Like that comes at the end if you've done all your productive stuff or your serious stuff. If it's difficult to engage in the present moment with the emotions and how emotions do just shift and change, it might help us learn more about what some of the um, beliefs we have about emotions that we might need to revise. So good. Love that. Yeah. I, I'm finding myself wanting to say so many more things about like, you know, sort of how to invite delight or how to pursue delight, how to develop that muscle for our listeners. And I also am kind of stuck on this thought around the idea that someone might believe that they need to be productive first 
And that is disturbing to me, deeply, (laughs) deeply disturbing to me, because I think that being productive is an external made up pressure and delight is something that is like a natural occurrence in our bodies. But it feels like we need to ground ourselves first in the world of delight in our bodies before we could ever be productive in any kind of actually effective way. Because it's just very, it's just disturbing me. (laughs) It feels very backwards. Mm. You don't want to be in my brain then, Carter. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where a lot of eating disorders get developed or addiction or these ways to, you know, kind of like go eject somehow because somebody's trying to put themselves into a machine-like form and eventually something doesn't work, but it, it, it could be that that's where, you know, these unhealthy coping things happen to release pressure. It feels so culturally um, bound, Yeah, you know, that, that working, you have to work hard first and then you get your reward. And I wonder about it, thinking about it from like a system of oppression lens, you know, like this idea of only getting joy if you've done the, the particular things and sort, sort of this uh, keeping one oppressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you've done the, the, the things or perfected mm-hmm. the, the task. Right. Right. A very restrictive mentality too, right? Like to use that language too of the eating disorder. There's a, I have to restrict these things in order to eventually maybe get this. Yes, and it, it reminds me the language that you're using, Kara, reminds me of um, just the the phrase that has been said so many times on this podcast and throughout Opal of of movement be of movement being birthright. I would want to say that pleasure and delight should be also a birthright. And with what you were just saying, Lexi, about this being really reflective of really oppressive systems, we've got it backwards again, that that would have to be, that would be a reward to get to be in your body. Hmm. I Another vantage point of, I, I think also might be important to say is that some people I do believe have only experienced the delight in when they have accomplished something. And so it's ingrained like that neural pathway is there, right? They're like, okay, so I felt delight when I made my parent proud because I accomplished this thing. So then they feel that hit of delight from accomplishment, if that makes sense. I I would think, and like that linkage with feeling proud about something. And this is a very maybe small thing, but as I Uh, One project or something that I have been trying to do is start little plants by seeds this spring. And I started it and I'll tell you, it was, I felt very hopeless about anything growing. I I just was like, this is never going to work. There's no way that I'm going to do this right. And, And then things are growing and I couldn't believe it. And I can't believe it. I still, nothing is, you know, like bigger than like an inch tall. Well, no, there's a few things that are taller, but anywho, I would say, would I find delight in the whole experience of doing this seed planting and everything if it at all had failed, if nothing grew? Uh, nope, <laughs> I, I wasn't. I But the fact that I have accomplished it, 
I am having a ton of delight in my sunflower seeds and my peas and my carrots and my tomatoes. So I, I think that that is wired in me that yeah. I get delight from a positive, like something that I have produced. So mm-hmm. I want I want there to be a variation and the permission of delight from all these various ways. But I guess I would say that um, I certainly also have that similar struggle as Kara in that I've, I'm aware that I definitely was conditioned early to have that linkage. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I know this is a kind of a nuance, but it, it sounds like um, you're cut off from delight if it's not also paired with accomplishment. I think so. They're not the same, like, right. That accomplishment isn't delight, but for you, the neural pathway there is that they have to be linked like that without the accomplishment, there might not be as much access. Yeah. And that's where I know in the growth mindset as a parent and how we're trying to transition that I know in current parenting, at least culture that there's a change to try to say, okay, reward the effort, not the results. And I think in that way, I'm like, come on, Julie, like, could you have gotten delight from just having done the seedling and like watched them not grow? Yeah. <laughs> the feeling of the dirt and like that, even the one moment where you were planting rather than waiting yeah. for yeah. growth, right? Totally. Totally. Yes. I had low standards. I had low hope about it. So the delight wasn't, I didn't get a huge hit from that. I've gotten the hit as I like go out every day and watch the things grow. The delight to me, I hear it as the delight is around the surprise. I think that I would, before we end in line with what you're saying, Julie, of sort of like still finding yourself in a couple of different pathways around delight or away from delight because of kind of the way that your brain has been and the way that you've been conditioned, the way we've all been conditioned. I think I want to encourage anyone who's listening that wants to try and practice delight in some way to maybe try and do some of what Ross Gay, who we mentioned earlier, did when he started studying delight, which was to just practice noticing. And maybe that means writing a list every single day. Maybe that means writing a list after a tough moment in your workday to just get a pad of paper out and just write three things that you can see around you that bring up a little bit of that experience in your body. Maybe it means going on a walk when you're feeling sad and saying like, is there anything out here? Is there anything outside that I can find a little bit of wonder for or pleasure in or go, oh my goodness, that thing bloomed. That's cool. Like it doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to bring you an immense amount of joy or a sense of identity. It can just start really small in, oh, I like that. Or, oh, that's a nice color. And just begin there, um, noticing what actually is happening in your body in response to the things around you, um, whether that's a sound or the experience of someone else in your home or in your life. Um, it could be all sorts of small things um, that you just take a moment to notice. And that's it. <laughs> just notice. I think another invitation would just be if you might, you might be able to gather little things, little relics and little um, representations of moments of delight to be able to try to pull you back in and create a tray like Carter has, <laughs> or the little ledge on my office that can kind of remind us of those moments of delight that we have experienced. Mm-hmm. Or using pictures like that I've come across this week of yeah looking at an old photo album or looking at a picture that's framed in your house 
and letting yourself have a moment to just put yourself back there in your imagination and, and have that moment of delight. You can even do that with a magazine, just like pouring through a magazine and going like, what, what is nice looking in here that I like that it's like, oh, that reminds me of this kind of memory or this sort of place or something beautiful. We would love to hear from you what delights you. Um, please make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can reach out to us there and we'll also be doing some polling and question asking and sharing of small delights. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Opal, again, find us on social media or also visit our website at opalfoodandbody.com where you can learn more about our programming and community events. Thank you to Camille Dodson, to Jack Straw Cultural Center, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetites Original Music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. And thank you for joining us, and please join us next time.